Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. On ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com. This will do it. This will do it. Scott Drew's dream comes true. Coach Drew and Baylor complete college basketball's greatest rebound and rebuild with a championship. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. Good morning, everybody. College basketball is officially in the books. Baylor, man, good. I mean, what can you say? Did you watch the national championship last night? Ooh. That was as thorough a performance in a national title game that I've seen. All right, B- Baylor Baylor out-athleted. I know that's not really a word, but they out-athleted. Gonzaga last night. I mean, they Baylor look like when you go to the 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 you know the rec league, or if you go play in like a tournament rec ball tournament at a local college, and one team is just made up of a bunch of the football players. I mean, they they just they they, they look like they were have a lot more protein in their diet. They look like they were using a different weight room than Gonzaga. Gonzaga's great. They're great. They're great. But, I mean, I, maybe we undersold Baylor. Maybe I, I, really not much you can do. And I heard a lot from Jim Nance and the pundits and, oh, Gonzaga looks gassed. And Saturday took so much out of him. And yada, 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 yada. Nope. They just look completely outmatched. And Baylor, talk about getting hot at the right time. They got hot at the right time. Baylor was playing their best basketball the last few games, and that continued. When you shoot the three the way they do, Gonzaga's like, oh, let's try man. No, let's try zone. Oh, oh, we cut it to 10, and Suggs is a dog, and here they come. And Baylor's like, nope. Uh-uh. Oh, man, Gonzaga just kicked out of a two count, almost a three. Let's see. Oh, they got speared. Scott Drew and Baylor are national champions. Can you please use the raise hand function to indicate you? Much respect for them and what they've accomplished. Our team has been special. Um, last two years winning his team in the power five, we've been really, really good. Uh, and they're, they're even better people. Um, 
four weeks in the bubble, trust me, I'd tell you if they're not. So uh, 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 that that's what I'm going to take away most from this is thankful the NCAA gave us an opportunity to have an NCAA tournament, and then uh, thankful that uh, we were able to spend uh, this time and uh, develop our, uh, deeper relationships with unbelievable guys. Uh, one of those guys is Jared Butler from Louisiana, from Reserve, absolute stud, made the NCAA All-Tournament team, first team, arguably the best player for the best team in the country, and a great guy, and I was happy for him seeing him do it. You know, Baylor, we're talking about this yesterday. You heard Jim Nance say, you know, they've rebounded for the ultimate title. Rebounded is, is one way of putting it. Baylor Athletics has had some pretty seedy things happen, some pretty awful scandals, including a murder within the basketball program less than 20 years ago. Uh, you know what happened with the football program. And for them to bounce back and be as good as they are athletically. And and we said yesterday, why don't folks talk more about some of the bad things they did? Because when it comes to sports fans, you talk more about teams that cheated than you do about teams that had some horrendous things happen away from the court. Things that you know are much worse and, and more serious in the in the scope of life. You don't talk about that as much. Yeah, because it not really about sports. Does it really make you feel better if you're having a sports debate with somebody about who's the best or who's not? It was uh, it was something, man. So congratulations to Final Four Most Outstanding Player, Jared Butler, Louisiana native. Shout out to him. I mean, maybe maybe we owe Houston an apology. Everybody's knocking them down for getting run out of the gym by Baylor on Saturday. Look what they just did to Gonzaga, a team that had not lost yet. Jared Butler, 20.7 assists. Last player to do that in a national championship game, Carmelo Anthony for Syracuse in 2003 in New Orleans. Host of next year's Final Four. Jared Butler had 20 they left no doubt, absolutely no doubt at all. And I think they silenced the haters last night. Their first national championship in program history. STM head basketball coach Danny Broussard, friend of mine, he's going to join me at 7.15 this morning. We're going to talk a little more about last night's national title game. We'll talk some college hoops. We'll talk basketball. Jay Walker going to be joining me at 8 o'clock. From the road, he is in Texas doing Raging Cajun softball road trip. They completely dominated yesterday. Two mercy run rule wins over Lamar. They'll take on Sam Houston State tonight. That one will be on Talk Radio 960. But Jay's going to join me in the 8 o'clock hour. We'll talk college hoops. We'll talk a little terrible tune Tuesday. UL and LSU baseball, a little UL softball as well. Uh, Jaden Hill, you know, I, I, I'd been saying LSU, I think they were going to lose last week into Vanderbilt and then have a chance to maybe, if they didn't if they didn't get too down on themselves, had enough talent to kind of dig themselves out of this hole. But this latest news is just another huge blow. I mean, Jaden Hill, I, I, how do you not feel for that guy? 
Entering the season looked like he was going to be a top five MLB draft pick, at the very least a top 10 pick. I don't know where he's going to go now. Somebody is going to draft him this summer, and and if he comes back from it, he can have a, a, a good pro career. But you're going to drop in the draft when you have to have Tommy John surgery, and it's the second I- injury that he has suffered, second elbow injury that he has suffered in the last three seasons. He's only pitched 51 innings for LSU, and the junior now, you know, I think he's, he's pitched his last game for LSU, who's 17-11 and 11 overall, but 1-8 and eight in SEC play. And that's just another gut punch, just brutal news for LSU as Hill has a tear in his UCL. Speaking of injuries, Alyssa Dalton, you know, I, I think it was a surprise when they got the diagnosis yesterday because Jerry Glasgow, Rage Cajun softball coach, was on me yesterday morning and asked him about Dalton, and he said, you know, day-to-day, but we expect her to be okay. We expect her to be back soon. Then Steve Pelequin reported yesterday, um, I don't know, I guess it was around lunchtime or so, that now the injury's been diagnosed and the Sunbelt Conf- two-time preseason Sunbelt Conference Player of the Year who's hitting three seventy-eight. First-team all-conference selection, multiple. One of the better players in the country now needs surgery on that hand and is going to be out for an indefinite amount of time. Oof. That, that's a blow right there. We'll talk more about that in the uh, in the 8 o'clock hour with Jay. But, I mean, the Cajun softball team, geez, you lose Raina O'Neill to a broken arm back in February. You lose Taylor Roman to a torn ACL. And Coach Glasgow said, yesterday O'Neill's on track to return later this season. We're not going to see Roman again this year, and we don't know right now about Dalton. Oh, man. ESPN 1420.com. We got plenty of goodies for you over at ESPN 1420.com and the ESPN 1420 app. Cajun foods rank worst to best. Yep, we got that there. My interviews yesterday with Glasgow and Coach Deggs. Dustin Poirier, one of the more notable, popular MMA fighters on the planet, has a meet and greet coming up in the area this weekend. You can read about that, where, how you can be there. More on Dalton's injury and Jaden Hill's injury, Baylor's win, and some recordings that surfaced of uh, attempt of an alleged payment request and the Darius Geis story out of Baton Rouge. You can read the details of that over at ESPN1420.com. Stay tuned. Rage uh, STM basketball coach Danny Broussard joining me next to talk some hoops. It's ESPN1420.com. Is right here in the great state of Indiana. Basketball is woven into the fabric of this city. Let the madness begin. We've waited two years for this, and here we go. The ball is tipped, and there you are. You're running for your life. You're a shooting star, and all the Their first ever NCAA victory. It's March. Expect the unexpected. Put your hands in the air. If you go high. Now put your drinks go. in the air. Go. 
Welcome back into the great Scott show, the great sports callers open think tank. Joining me now, a, a man who is uh, in the top 10 all time in high school basketball history across the United States. He has won six state championships as head coach of the STM Cougars. He eats, sleeps, lives, loves basketball. And here to talk a little hoops with us is STM basketball coach Danny Broussard. Good morning, coach. How are you? Well, I'm a little under the weather. I apologize for my hoarseness. Uh, uh, Scott, I haven't recovered yet from the, from the basketball season. Then I get a cold on top of that. So a little under the weather. I mean, I'm not doing terrible, but my voice is kind of bad. So I'll, I'll apologize to that to start off with. I, it, Coach, it sounds to me like it always sounds. I mean, I, I just – I <laughs> knowing you as long much. as I have, I just thought you were perpetually hoarse. Is that is that is that not true? Well – that that is that is true to an extent. <laughs> Although at the end of the season, at the end of the season, I'm having to tell Wes and Nick, tell them to block out because because it, it doesn't come out as loud as I need it to be. So that's kind of funny. But yeah, no, you're all right, Scott. It's 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 pretty much all year round. Well, I I hope you feel better uh, on a serious note, Coach. Thanks for taking the time, man. Um, you know, last night's game, obviously Baylor, it was complete domination, and and, and I want to get to them second. I want to actually look at Gonzaga because I think. You look at Coach Mark Few, and for the second time in his career, you lose in the national title game. He is yeah. now the the best active coach in college basketball, never to win an NCAA title, I think. I mean, if you want to argue Bob Huggins, I don't know. I mean, I guess you could. Right. But, you know, right. I, I, I heard a lot on the broadcast of Gonzaga looks tired. or it did, I just thought it I, – I didn't, I didn't watch last night's game, Coach, and I want your thoughts and think they're collapsing under the pressure. I thought I watched last night's game and said, "My goodness, they just got bullied by a team that was playing yeah. their best basketball." That was more Baylor last night than Gonzaga to me. I, I I agree with you. I agree with you, Scott. I think this is what I this is what I came away with, and it's what I thought going into the game. I, I you know I I, I picked, and, and it's kind of it's kind of ironic because Gonzaga is one. I love Mark Few. I think he's he's one of the you know all time great coaches. So, but but I but I went against them because well, a couple of reasons. Baylor had two Louisiana players that I, that I both coached against. So you know, they, I, I, I kind of pulling for my Louisiana boys there. You know, um, I never forget this, Scott. I think he was. I was. I think he's either a freshman or a sophomore because he transferred from Washington Mary after that. But uh, and my son-in-law Kyle coached him uh, in what they called Southern Elite AAU. So so I, I had a lot. I've known Vital for a long time, but. Uh, he took one against us, Scott, and dribbled between two guys and jammed, dunked it over a couple of guys. And it was towards the end of the quarter, and I told him the quarter, I said, I think his number was 10, I think. I don't know. I said, hey, guys, 
We can't let him get to the rim. I mean, he, let's make sure we collapse on him. Don't let him get to the rim. Let's see if he can make an outside shot. And that really wasn't his game. And I, I really think he, I think he scored like about eight points, if my memory's right, you know. And so we really shut him down because we didn't let him get to the rim. But what a performance by him last night. I mean, Scott, that kid just every, he reminded me of Moses Malone. Every time a shot went up by his guys, I think he said, hey, they're going to miss. And he got almost every offensive rebound. I, mean, I don't, I, I can't, I didn't see the stats, but I think he had 10, 10 offensive rebounds. It was unbelievable how he dominated the boards, you know. And, um, uh, I thought that might be a mismatch in that game. Uh, the kid, Timmy, is really a great player. But, man, he never went against somebody as strong and physical as, as Vidal is. And, 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 Scott, what's amazing is, you know, Vidal's about 6'5". He's not he, – he looks big on TV, but he's – I mean, I say that. You know, he's going against 6'10 guys. And so, man, I just thought he was a big difference in the game. They got – early on when they got second and third shots, and guess what? Every time he got an offensive rebound, he kicked back out. And one time he hit a nice cut, cut it to the basket, got a layup. But the other two or three times, he had a three-point, open three-point shot, and they knocked him down. And that's when they got that early lead. And I thought Bada was a difference in that game, in, you know, early on. And then, uh, you know, player of the game, Jared Butler, he played for Riverside. Uh, by the way, uh, Bada played for Washington, Marinado, Lake Charles. Uh, and then, uh, and then uh, I'll never forget this game because it was a shootout between, between CC and Butler. They both had over 25. We played him in a tournament in New Orleans. And uh, so I got a chance to see Butler, and I knew he'd be special. Uh, I'll tell you the truth. I, would, I, I wouldn't think he'd be the top five players in America and going to be high in the draft. But I did see a very good high school player that could play on the collegiate level, you know. So uh, I was pulling for those two guys. And obviously, um, you know, that came to fruition last night and that day just – uh, defense was the key of the game, man. They just got after him from the start and let him know that, hey, man, we're, you're going to have a hard time scoring against us. And their defense just locked up. It was it was a remarkable performance. Uh, and then obviously they're, they're very good offensively as well. So, But I thought the defense of Baylor, and like you said, Scott, it was really more Baylor than anything Gonzaga did. Yeah, Baylor's aggression just dictated the result. They just It looked like yeah. when you go to – you know, a little rec league, you know, at a college or something, and you've got one team, yeah. and they it's the football team, and they're 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 just doing it for fun, and you see their bodies, and you're like, okay, they're all just big. I mean, Baylor, just from a a, a physical standpoint, not necessarily like height, but just muscle right. mass. I mean, it. Yes, yes. Gonzaga yes. looked tired last night, but it wasn't because of a, a thrilling win on Saturday that went into overtime. I think it was because Baylor wore them out from the tip. They. They out athleted them. I know that's not necessarily a word, but uh, they were just yeah. they, they were just clicking. And now you yeah. got you yeah. know teams like Kentucky in 2015, or Wichita State in 2014, or UNLV in '91, or Indiana State with Larry Bird in '79. You know now you got Gonzaga in in 2020 slash 2021 that you know they 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 get they get in the tournament, they go dancing, they're right there, and then they can't complete the undefeated season. It's been 45 years, man. I mean, we're going to see it again at some point, right, Coach? But I think right, last right. night's just a reminder of, man, I mean, the the difficult the difficulty level of trying to win uh, every game in a single season in the NCAA and go through the tournament, it's one of the harder feats to accomplish out there in sport. No, no there's no doubt about it. Uh, and, 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 yeah, listen, I, I think uh, this is just my thoughts. I know you said that, look – I mean, you know, that big shot, you saw the emotions of, the, you know, the, the, the kid, you know, standing on the, t- on the podium. You know, it, 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 
Scott, I just think that that psychologically, that that game against UCLA, it's almost like they, you know, they had to overcome it. It's almost like took a deep breath and said, "Wow, we got past that one." But you know, they were celebrating a lot, and and you know, Baylor won very comfortably. And then the fact they're undefeated, yeah, Scott, there's something about that, man. I mean, there's a reason why nobody's done it. Uh, I think Gonzaga has a little advantage in the fact that I don't think they're in a grind like guys in the SEC or the ACC. You know, they, they, their competition is a little bit less on on a nightly basis, I think. And so, you know, I think that's kind of the reason why they're But still, the fact remains that they were a very good basketball team. Uh, uh, you know, but again, uh, Baylor's defense just took them out of everything that they, you know, we made, I made this comment watching the game with a, with a bunch of guys that I think a lot of times Gonzaga would, would have gotten to the rim, but they couldn't get to the rim against uh, against Baylor. They just couldn't get around those guys. Just too physical, too fast, and plays that they normally can make against other teams, they weren't making them. That's as dominant a performance in a national title game against the – like we've seen – I remember when UConn just completely blew out Georgia Tech. I think that was in 04 maybe. Like I mean, I've seen some lopsided national title yeah. games. Right, but Georgia right. Tech, they were they were they were you know they had a nice run in the tournament, but they weren't you know a one seed that was that was favored that had not lost a game. With respect to the Georgia Tech, it was like yeah, they're kind of you know an underdog. No one thought they'd get in the title game. In terms of like beating a a a top tier opponent, I can't remember uh you know a team that was a four and a half no. point favorite. Just being on the wrong side of a beatdown and dominance in a national title game, like we saw last night. No, I, I totally agree. I mean, it, you know, yeah, it was. Um, it, like I said, man, you you knew in the first, you had a feeling in the first. You know, we were talking. I'm like, man, this is not what Gonzaga wanted, you know. And and for them to jump on like that, and I I just kept telling people, I'm, I'm telling you, man, just look at Bill. Gonzaga may make a comeback, but. Even at halftime, some people were thinking they were going to. I said, man, I'm just telling you, I don't see it. That Baylor's just too good to lose this lead. They got they had too many weapons, even on the offensive end. Guy, you know, if you think about it, they're so good defensively. But man, look, I don't know. I thought I heard a stat that said that they were 40 percent from three point line for the entire season. They were right at 40 percent. I mean, that yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy stats for a college team. Yeah, and it's the thing about not only did they have Butler, but multiple all those guys. I mean. Um, uh, the, the kids come off the bench where, where they hit threes for for Baylor. They had their six and seven guys would start for probably ninety percent of teams across the country, and they couldn't even start for Baylor. But they're coming off and knocking down threes, you know. So just uh, I, I just uh, going to that game said, man, Baylor's got the total package. You know, they had that spur, that little, that little during the season against Kansas. I think they got COVID, and so I think that really affected them pretty bad. And they came back out looking kind of average, you know. But man, they were playing the best basketball of anybody at the end right there. And they they really got it going together. They their, their shots are falling again, and then you can always count their defense. So yeah, I you know hate to say it, but I think the better team won last night. Well, when you you look at what um, Scott Drew did taking over as head coach in '03 after the the terrible scandal involving Day Bliss that involved the death among other things, serious stuff to uh, to to turn Baylor around. It's not like. They just came out of nowhere this year. I mean, they've they've had some really good runs. Um, you know, they, no, right. they they've won. Uh, you know, he's been a two time Big Twelve Coach of the Year, but they've had some good runs. They've had some good teams. Um, I think five or six years ago, they were number one for a time. They started. They're just you know to 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 take over a program like that 
and turn them into a team that's consistently winning 20-plus games a year, being in the tournament, and now a national championship. I mean, you got you got to tip your cap and say he's one of the better coaches in all of college basketball. Have you ever had some run-ins with him? Have you ever talked to him in terms of uh, whether it be players recruiting or scouting or anything like that? Uh, this is crazy. I don't. I can't tell you what year it was, but uh, Lorraine, Lorraine Gary was a junior at STM, and uh, he came, uh, room eight hundred eight is where we met at. I'll never forget. And uh, he came in. He was he recruited. I, and again, this was one of his first years at Baylor. I can't say it was his very first or his second year, but it was early, early on. And he came in, and and, and I'll, I'll never forget this. You know what is recruiting? You know, you're in Baylor. That's uh, that's Waco, Texas, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't think that's one of the, anybody's destination vacation spots, right? Oh, I want to go to Waco. Well, they do go see that that husband and wife team. That yep, shipping shipping Joanna Gaines. Yes, every, yes, there I know them go, well. The Gaines. There <laughs> you go. Yeah, people go to see that. That's about the only thing in Baylor, right? You know, you know what is you know what he recruited Lorraine Gary on. He said, uh, "Hey, Waco, Texas." Said, "Let me tell you something." He said, "You're not far from either San Antonio, Houston, or Dallas." So, so that was his recruiting thing that you could big cities, you could go into the big cities on the weekends and party. I'm serious. That's how he recruited. I'll never forget that. So, yeah, I did have that running when it's the only, it's the only time I've ever been face to face. But he came in. Not usually you see the assistant coach come in, but I guess he thought a lot. Now, you know, Lorraine Gary wound up coming in, going to UL, and I think he kind of backed off uh, his senior year. But, uh, but he, he did come to our our gym. He watched us practice, and he recruited him. Uh, and I, I got to visit him. That's a, the only time I've ever had a uh, you know personal visit with Scott Duke. But yeah, but I was very impressed. Now again, you got to remember he was very young at that time. That was a while back. And um, but I was very impressed with his enthusiasm. He had a notebook. Uh, he had he had pictures of the Baylor campus. There's a pool that goes around the athletic campus. One of those lazy rivers or whatever. He was selling that, you know, and that was his. That was his pitch, though, that I remember said, hey, you bought San Antonio, Dallas, and Houston. You know, and that's, that's a considerable drive, but that's, that was his selling point. ESPN1420.com. Everyone remembers Bryce Drew, his brother, and the big shot for Valpo back in the day. Um, I, you know, I, I, when, you, when you take over under conditions he did and you do it in Waco, um, you know, I mean, folks are going to kind of yeah. say, wow, I mean – How's he doing it? But uh, he's done a, He's done an amazing job, and uh, I like that story you shared. And yeah, Lorian Gary, man, that's a name I hadn't heard in a while. But of course, I, yeah. I loved his story, and you know, him being able to uh, come back from the injury he had at UL and, and do what he's doing. So, um, it, it's it, the, you know, the sport of basketball. Coach Danny Russo in fourteen twenty. If you do it long enough, like you have, you you end up. You know, I wouldn't even call it six degrees of separation. It's usually like two or three. But I feel like everyone that that works in the sport of basketball or plays at a high level for a, a long period of time, they they're they're interwoven. There's probably if you if you haven't met someone in the in the sport of basketball, Coach Danny, you're probably only separated by like one or two people that have met somebody. <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah, pretty much. And, and it's kind of funny you brought that up because I really kind of had forgotten about that. Uh, that meeting with him, and I, again, I, I got to remember what year that was. I love Dallas Lauren. He would obviously know, but uh, but yeah, I was impressed that the head coach came in to recruit him, and that. Um, but like I said, he had a lot of energy with him, and you know, you could tell he was going to be a really, really, you know, enthusiastic coach that had a vision, you know. And uh, you know, they showed the clip last night. I don't know if you saw that, but uh, they showed the clip of his press conference, and he said. He said, "Hey, we're here to win at Baylor, and we're here to win a national championship." And hey, it took him a while, but he did it. 
ESPN1420.com. Well, you know, Saturday night, Gonzaga beats UCLA in, in one of the more memorable, exciting, great college basketball games ever. But what, what hit me last night was as great as that game was, it will not get the re- it will not get as much reverence and um, I don't know. I think I think in the coming years you're not going to see that final shot as maybe much as you think you will because Gonzaga didn't win at all. It's like we 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 we've seen the Leitner shot probably thousands of times in our lives, whether it be a commercial, a promo, whatever. Yeah. But if right. Duke, if Duke right. loses the next game, I'm not saying we don't see it. We do, but it's it's more right. of right. it's kind of more like what I reference. Like everyone remembers when Bryce Drew hit that shot for Valparaiso. It's like. Uh, you know, uh, Tyrus Edney for UCLA. I mean, there there are there are NCAA plays, March Madness plays that you remember if you're a big fan, and then there are other plays that that you remember because they're iconic, and you don't even have to be a big fan of the sport. Leitner's shot, as much as I you know I, I wasn't a Duke fan back in the day, Leitner's shot is iconic. I think if Gonzaga could have won last night uh, and they they got beat thoroughly, I think that shot from Saturday becomes a little more iconic now. I think it turns more into, boy, it's one of the great March Madness moments, but it's not a spot that's sort of bigger than the bigger than the sport, if you will. Uh, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you. I, you're probably right. That's probably what's going to happen. Although, yeah, it was a dramatic shot in in the Final Four. You know, Leitner's was in, was in the in the in the eight with you know the the, uh, the elite eight, the right? Eight or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, elite eight. Right, right. So, so you're right. It was a little bit even deeper in the final, final four, but yeah, you're probably right because it didn't win at all. It might not. It may not uh, get as much uh, coverage later on. You, you, I have to tend to agree with that. It, but what's what's weird is like I, I try to, you know, me. I'm, I I overthink things when it comes to sports. But like Chris Jenkins, he hits a shot for Villanova five years ago yeah. to win a yeah. national championship, like a deep one. Yes. And I was asking yeah. folks the other day, hey, do you remember the guy's name? for Vill-? They they couldn't even remember what year Villanova won it last. Like, why is that shot not more iconic? I don't. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good point. You're right. As a matter of fact. Scott, I was at that game. I think it was Reliant. It was in Houston. No? Reliant. It was at Reliant Stadium. Uh, I'm pretty sure I was in uh, the Montclaw Suite watching the game, and I actually got a film. Uh, uh, I have to find it on my phone. I think I still have it. Where you know I, I videoed it from the screen, and man, what an unbelievable shot that was! That you know the crowd reaction. I mean, that place exploded because you know it, again it was the shot that won that game. And uh, yeah, but you, you're exactly right about that, and I don't know why. People don't talk about that. I, maybe because Villanova's kind of a, I don't know. Villanova's kind of one of those teams that they they don't have a lot of glitz and, and flair to them. You know, they just kind of get the job done. Maybe it's because of, because of the way that Villanova personifies itself. They're just a, a grind team. Maybe that's why. I don't know. But you are yeah, right about it, that. You never, it never should hear much be, about that shot. It should be more iconic, I think. And it's yes, not. Like, I folks agree. forget about it. Part of it might be... Yeah. Part of it might be, um, you know, I, th- I think there are a couple things. One, if it's a heavy underdog, then it then it gets it's never it's unforgettable, even if it's in an early yeah. round. If it's an underdog, yeah. everyone talk, right. you know. But another thing, right. if Chris Jenkins had gone on to be, you know, a star player in the NBA, or if he was, you know, an NCAA Player of the Year type of of college player, I think I think who takes the shot as well. <laughs> Ends up making a difference. It's like Michael Jordan hit his shot at the buzzer. You know, I mean, 
you know, North Carolina took a lead and then they went and the opponent turned the ball over. James Worthy stole the ball. But but because it was Michael Jordan, oh man, in the Superdome, yeah. that great moment. Yeah. I think if Jenkins is a guy that's, you know, in the NBA now, and part of that is, you know, in the one and done era, there are some good players that go from that play in college and then go on and have good pro careers. But you look at an all star game, I mean, if in Zion Williamson's one year at Duke, if he had hit some crazy buzzer beater, we'd probably see it for years to come. I, I think the fact that Chris Jenkins, with respect to him, because it's one of the best shots ever, isn't a, a star at the next level. Most folks wouldn't know where he is right now. That That probably has something to do with it, too. Well, yeah, you're exactly right. It's got kind of name recognition and kind of what happens. You're right, and I guess that's why Jenkins is uh, like I don't even know who he, is, he, is he in the NBA. I'm no, like, I think I think he played. Uh, I think I think he went and played yeah. over. I think he went and played overseas, maybe somewhere. But um, yeah. so, but I don't again, even think he's playing basketball reason. anymore. You know, he's right. He's, and and it, yeah, and that's probably the reason why you just talked about why why it's not iconic right now because he's not even playing anymore. So that's probably an- another reason, like you just said. And, Scott, it's kind of funny watching that game last night. Man, I had flashbacks because it's so it, – to me, it was like kind of eerie in a way because that game played out almost like our game did. We, You know, we jumped on you high from the beginning. I thought our defensive intensity was great, although we're not a, we're not a big man-to-man team. I'm not going to lie to you. We're not a big man-to-man team like they are. Well, STM's win uh, over yeah, wait, STM's win over you high as you yeah. catch your breath there, yeah. Coach. Which is I know is hard yeah. for you to get a breath in because of how much and how quickly you talk. <laughs> but uh, no, it's right. You yeah. know, I, I hadn't thought about that, but it was. It was kind of like you jumped on them yeah. early, and they never were able to yeah. really. Anytime there was any, any nope. a small hint of a comeback, you guys kind of right. just shut the door on that with a big play, whether it was a dunk from yeah. Bedge or a big shot from you know any of your guys. So yeah, it kind of had yeah. the same feel oh, last yeah. night. It, it really did, man. I, I said that at halftime. I'm like, man, God, this, this game's kind of like what our game was like. And, you know, instantly see what's going to happen. But, yeah, uh, uh, when when, uh, when Baylor came out and hit that three-point shot in the second half, I was like, man, this this thing, they, they, I don't think they're going to close it. What, the, the closest they got was nine, I think. I think they, then they cut it to nine once. And then I think Baylor answered with a, with a three to get it to 12. Then I think they went down and missed. And maybe, maybe two free throws to get it to 14, I think. So, yeah, they just never let him get back in the game, man. It was a, it was definitely an impressive performance by Baylor, no doubt. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. I'm Scott Prather. That is STM coach Danny Broussard. He's going to be with me just for a few more minutes, Coach. Who is the best college basketball player you ever saw in person? Whether you saw them when they played in college or whether you saw them when they were in high school. Uh, probably uh, uh, Chris Jackson. Probably. Um, Played at Gulfport. I saw him hit. I saw him hit. If I wouldn't have saw my own eyes, I wouldn't have believed it. I saw him hit eight consecutive, count them, eight consecutive three-point shots. And the last one, this was at St. Louis High School in what they call the Popeyes Classic. And his his eighth one was just past one step past half court on the on the St. Louis logo, and the crowd went nuts. I will never forget that performance as long as I live. Chris Jackson. This name probably won't be too familiar to most people, but he wanted to play in Alabama, but. This guy on the high school level was unbelievable. James Robinson, him and, we played against him and Othella Harrington on the same team. Wow. Scott, it's the only time I ever went to a dressing room. We got beat by nine, and I was excited as hell because they were that much better than us, and I thought we played our tails off and got beat by nine. I'm like, hey, guys, we, we did everything we could do. This team was just that much better than us. And so James Robinson, Othella Harrington, and then uh, Chris Jackson, it just come to my mind right away as 
as three of the best. And then I look, don't forget, I just said Jared Butler. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. He's pretty darn good, and he's going to be in the NBA. So, you know, oh, and I, and I did see uh, – I, I, I love the way this kid played was DJ Augustin. He's still – I think – He's DJ's still in the still league. In the NBA, oh, yeah, right? he's, he's still, still he's in the league. Still in the league. crazy? Yep. He's still in the league, so i got to put him in there too. So uh, you kind of put him on the spot, but just on the top of my head, those guys – uh, you know, just come to my mind right away. Oh, and look, I mean, I, I, I'll probably give you 20 names, but i got to throw in Randy Livingston. When, when that kid came in as a freshman to the Sunkiss shootout, I looked at the program and I said, oh, this is a misprint. He, he, he's like, can't be a freshman. And so after the game, I asked Coach Fitzgerald, Coach Fitzgerald, what, 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 what grade is that number 10? And he goes, uh, he's a freshman. I said, so it is right? He goes, yeah. I said, you better carry your birth certificate around with that cat because as a freshman, he was un- he was so poised, it was unbelievable. So I throw Randy Livingston in that in that mix as well. It's amazing that you guys played a team. Yeah, all those guys. Like I tell folks, Livingston, he when when he signed with LSU, it was he was the top recruit in the country. It was like they've got the yep. best player in the yep. country, and unfortunately for him, <laughs> you know, injuries derailed his collegiate career. Despite all the injuries, yep. he yep. still ended up playing in the NBA. That's how talented he was. Yep. And now I know you. You play against him at times as he's coaching at uh, at Isidore Newman in New Orleans, but yeah. So yeah. James Robinson and Othella Harrington on this. So you you guys played against a team that had two NBA players on it. Is that the only time yes. you played against a team that had two yes. NBA players? Yes, that's the only time. Yeah, uh, it was uh, the the name of the school was uh, golly, Lanier. Is it? I think it's Lanier. I think it was no. Wait, hold up. Mur- I think it was Murrah or something with an M, right? Murray or something like oh, that. You might, yeah, you might be right. Yeah, it's kind of like a double name guy. Oh, Murrah. Ja- uh, Jackson Murray. There you go. There you go. Jackson Murray. There you go. Yes, yes. Jackson Murray was a, it was a consolidation of two schools in Jackson, Mississippi, and yeah, both those guys. Man, I mean, there was that that team was tremendous. I mean, it was. That's we were wild. we were lucky to get to the finals. We beat a team out of Southwest Macon, Georgia, to get to the finals. That was kind of an upset by us. They had two six nine kids. We really played uh, above our level on that game, and then we had to meet them in the finals. And uh, this was in St. Louis, Missouri, and uh, they, they, uh, they, like I said, Scott, we we played about as good as we could, still couldn't, still couldn't come within ten points of them. So, uh, but that's the only time I've ever played two NBA guys. Yes. And 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 to close out the conversation, Coach Danny Bruce said, I appreciate you taking the time this morning. STM head basketball coach, six-time state champion, uh, Mahmoud Abdul Rauf, Chris Jackson, as he was known in college. Um, I got to see him play uh, a number of times when he was at LSU, and he is, I, I tell folks all the time, he's one of the greatest college basketball players ever. And, um, yeah. you know, wa- watching yeah. him, you know, reading about him, I mean, he had never even played organized basketball. And um, in middle school, there was, I think it was the, the middle school girls coach, who was also a PE coach, just saw him playing. <laughs> And yeah. talked to his mom and was like, "You should let him play." And in his first game, he never played before. He scored like twenty five. <laughs> so he, um, yeah. yeah, you know, he did. He, he came from very humble beginnings. Obviously, Tourette syndrome, and folks remember uh, the national anthem and 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 you know the NBA kind of yeah. moving on from him. But right. it's not like he, you know, I mean, he played ten seasons in the league and probably could have played longer uh, had he wanted to. Played overseas. I mean, that guy was in his late forties a few years ago, and he was still playing in the Big Three league. And now he's fifty two, so he was still balling. Uh, on a semi-professional level, like, and and he was almost half a hundred years old. He truly is. Like in my mind, yeah. he'll he he's not an NBA all-time great, but he'll always be a basketball yeah. all-time great to me. I I totally agree with him. Like I said, that performance I saw at uh, St. 
St. Louis High School, eight threes in a row. He was unstoppable. He would just pull up, and you know, I, it was it was really a, a, a performance I'll never forget. So he's he's definitely one of the best, man. He was he was he was tremendous. And folks might not remember, he was in an NBA slam dunk contest in the nineties. Like, <laughs> it's not like he was a big I guy. I mean, he was what like six foot yeah. one sixty. Just uh, just yep. Yep. In- incredible yep. in so many ways, man. Coach Danny Broussard has been our guest. Well, Coach, I, I, I appreciate you. I know it's a, it's a week off from school with spring break and you're not feeling well, but you still made time to come on this morning. Um, I really appreciate it. Six-time state champion, head basketball coach of the SDM Cougars, friend of mine and a lover of basketball, talking college hoops with us and a little basketball in general. I could talk ball with you all day, Coach. I love the stories. I love the knowledge you share. Appreciate it as always, yep. man. I hope you're, you and the family had a great Easter, and I know I'll be talking to you again soon. Yeah, you bet. I actually got a chance to uh, my my daughter and son-in-law were off to uh, Disney World, and they left. I thought you bought kids to Disney World, but they left the kid with kid, what kid with us. I'm glad. Come yeah, on. I'm glad they did. He's only he's, he's only a year and a half. I get it. They're gonna wait. He's a little older. That's but smart. I've been enjoying my holidays. Yeah, I've been enjoying my holidays. Getting uh, he's a character, and he's already. He's already got that little basketball. We got a little bitty sick, you know, little one of those little bitty goals. You hang on the door, and boy, he's shooting the rock already, baby. Are you? Are you? Are you? Do you have it like labeled? You know, Danny Broussard's basketball camp. Are you already? Are you promoting already to him at one year old? <laughs> not yet. I'm not there yet. All right, give it a year. Give it a year. I know he's going to be there at like five. I know that much. He'll be the young. He'll be the younger. He'll be there at four. He'll be the youngest camp. Like he'll be standing next to you, just <laughs> blowing the whistle and directing everybody. Danny, man, I appreciate it. All the best, my friend. All right. You, you bet, Scott. Happy Easter to you, and have a good day. Good stuff. Enjoy the time with the grandson. All right, up next, got a special guest. You know, there is a sign here in, in Lafayette that, in my mind, is iconic. A sign, many of you drive by it every day. It's iconic. What am I talking about? Find out next at CSPN1420.com. Don't go anywhere. Great sports callers, open think tank. Appreciate uh, Coach Danny Broussard coming on a little bit, talking some college hoops with me. Last night's national championship game where Baylor was clearly the dominant team. Speaking of dominance when it comes to uh, pizza, I, I'm i a sucker for it. I love Elise's Pizza. You guys have heard me reference it on the air before. Um, and they've got a seize the deal coming up Friday. $10 gets you 20 and, you know, I'll be taking advantage of that, and you guys will too. Mariano Alisi from Alisi's is in studio right now for a few minutes. Man, I, I've known you for a while, and um, you see me going there. We'll talk some Saints as I'm picking up the pizzas. We'll talk some Cajuns. But sure. you're a guy that's been in this community. Your family's been in this community a long time. I know you love sports, but I know you guys love you guys love good food too. Absolutely. That's what it's all about here in Lafayette. So... <sighs> How long has this restaurant been in your family? We've uh, we've owned it for uh, since 1957, so we're going on 60. And that sign, when was the sign up? The sign was there from uh, in the old restaurant, uh, so about 1960. That's right. It's 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 in it's kind of iconic. It is. It's like, the uh, it's the oldest neon mechanical working sign. So have there been times where people were like, oh, y'all should get rid of it? Or is everyone kind of on board, like, don't ever change it? No, nobody, uh, everybody <laughs> loves it. They all take pictures in front of it. Uh, you know, after the family gets together, after they eat, they go outside and take a picture in front of the sign. They love it. 
Well, man, um, Alicia's is my favorite pizza. Um, and I'm not just saying that. I mean, you I know see I see me you in there, there all the time. Yeah. You see family members. You see my in-laws in there. Um, no, we love it. And uh, look, it's locally owned family business in the community. Seize the deal this Friday. Ten dollars get you twenty to Alicia's. So, uh, sports wise, I know you're a big Saints fan. Who's sure. who's your favorite all-time player? Um, you know, obviously Drew. Uh, I love Michael Thomas. Uh, Pierre Thomas, one of my favorites. Oh, I yeah. know it's one of your favorites too. One of my all- uh, the, the 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 screen goat right, right there, right. man. I love Nobody's it. Better. I love it. Yeah, the Super Bowl catch, you know, amazing, awesome stuff. And then I, I see you're wearing your Rage of Cages gear sure. this morning. What was your favorite Cajun sport growing up to go to? Oh, we always loved uh, going to basketball. We always had uh, season tickets, still do. And uh, you know, I, I was there whenever the uh, the first game at the Cajun Cajun Dome, and uh, we've always gone. It's good. See, just it. in the community, a lot of good history. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm talking about at least he's 10 for 20. I mean, forgive me. I'm just I'm thinking about the pizza and I'm getting hungry. But sure. whether it be the antipasta salad, the spaghetti, I mean, the oh, man, the, the, I mean, the fried cheese there is amazing. But it's not <laughs> like it's just pizza. I mean, that's right, uh, right. You guys have that expansive Italian menu and you have for a while. So absolutely. Anybody so, out there is thinking about it or if, if for some crazy reason, maybe you're new to the area and you've actually never been. I think most people listening have probably been, but if for some reason you haven't, man, go check it out. We uh, we do get those randoms that say, I drive by all the time. I've lived here my whole life. I've never been in. And once we get them in, they're hooked. There you go. I don't, do you guys, what do you, what do you put in the cheese? <laughs> <laughs> There's something, man. It's uh, it's Secrets amazing. in the sauce, Scott. It's amazing stuff. Well, <clears throat> you know, if something's... if something's working, just just keep it that way. And I know Elise's has done that since 19... 19- 57. I mean, you guys have been around, um, shoot, I mean, you guys have been around longer than the Saints. So, yeah. You know. Yeah. We, we, uh, we know how to do it. Yes, you do. Uh, all right. Um, final question for you. <sighs> did you watch that game last night? I did. I did. That was just a case of like, I mean, it's it's like putting Elise's next to some like, microwave you know it was uh in the in the out of the freezer bland pizza versus like the best right, of the right. I mean, nothing against gonzaga but it was just Baylor was just they looked like grown men they were tough it was pure dominance from the tip and it showed i thought for sure gonzaga was gonna be able to come back a little bit in the second half but Baylor just stepped it up and you know kept putting it to them they just look like they were they, they just look like they have a different weight right room. right it's just something it was like they just out physical them. They were just better athletes. It was uh, it was pure dominance. They even looked a lot bigger. That's yeah. It you was know? just like cool. We work on our free throws all the time. Oh, cool. We work out <laughs> with the football team. Right, I mean, right. it was. And I think Baylor was playing their best basketball at the right time. I mean, they the last few games they were playing at their highest level. They were hitting threes from all over, and Gonzaga just ran into. A, I'm not even sure if they missed a three off. in the first half. Uh, yeah, you know? it was just they were they were they were lights out. And anytime Gonzaga would cut it to 10 or something, and, right. oh, here they come. No, Baylor right, would just right. come and, and knock them down. Pure dominance. That's what I like to say about Elise's. And um, this Friday, seize the deal, 10 for 20 Spend $10, get $20 worth of Elise's, whether you want to get some of the delicious pizza, salads, pastas, whatever they got on the menu, get it, whether it's dine-in, takeout. It's an amazing deal. Why wouldn't you take advantage and um, – you know, I always tell someone when I'm talking to them on the radio, Mariana, I'll see you soon, but I know I will. So I know that. I'll be seeing you in Probably the restaurant soon. Yeah. That's Mariano Alisi. Uh, Alisi's 
They've got seize the deal this Friday, ten dollars for twenty. But uh, whether it's tonight, tomorrow, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, money, any day of the week, it's always a good time to eat Elise's. Appreciate the time, my friend. Thank you, Scott. Up next, Jay Walker from the road. He is in Texas doing Rage Cajun softball this week. We'll get his thoughts on last night's game. Do a little terrible tune Tuesday and more. It's all coming your way next hour. Great Scott show. Eight o'clock hour starts next on ESPN fourteen twenty. ESPN1420N.com For all the reasons you love sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. On ESPN1420 and ESPN1420.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Great Scott Show, hour number two on a Tuesday, which means my friend Jay Walker, not in studio today. He is on the road. He's calling softball uh, for the um, next couple days on this Texas road swing. We've got him through the power of the internet coming to us via an app. Jay, can you hear me? Good morning. Uh, good morning. I, I I miss Roberta. She's wonderful. Steal the show. Steal the show. <laughs> That's great. Uh, man, Gonzaga had no chance to steal the show last night. From the tip, it was complete domination from Baylor. In my mind, that was more of ba- – like I don't think there was a team in college basketball that was going to be Baylor last night. Maybe past or present because they were just that good, Jay. They were that good, and you know, Gonzaga. The one chance I think that they had after you know after watching as much basketball as I did, the one chance they had was Baylor having a bad night from three, and because Baylor defends so very well when they can score inside, but if they if they can't hit from the outside, then it makes them vulnerable. But they hit ten threes last night. And if they're going to hit 10 threes, nobody is going to beat them. Yeah, Gonzaga, they were they, they had a chance to kind of cement themselves with, you know, uh, an undefeated season, first one in 45 years, go down as this all-time great team. And instead, you know, it's just another story of, you know, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. They were close. And I know that the low-hanging fruit is West Coast Conference, yada, yada. Gonzaga was a great basketball team this year. And I, I wasn't buying into what Jim Nance was saying is they're, they're gassed. They've got nothing left because of Saturday. I think they were gassed because Baylor's defense is that good. It's like Gonzaga would try to duplicate it on the other end, and anytime they would play hard defense, Baylor seemed to just get the offensive rebound, bang, three-pointer. I mean, they were up 10 at the first media timeout and led by double figures for, I think, I think maybe Gonzaga cut it to nine for like a minute, and that was it. I mean, it was just – it was as thorough a performance in a championship game as I've ever seen. You know, you can say that they were trying to cement themselves, and instead what they did was they had their feet in cement um, last night. That, You know, uh, no excuses, okay? You know, they got schooled. And maybe Gonzaga was a little gassed. Maybe they were. But 
I don't think it mattered. Not last night, not as well as Baylor played. You said it right off the bat. If Baylor was going to play like they did last night, nobody was going to beat them. Not even Gonzaga. I mean, I, I, look, this, is, this team wasn't even challenged during the tournament. Weren't even challenged. I, they weren't. Um, and you mentioned the three-point shot. Their only two losses this year were the only two games they shot below 30% from beyond the arc. And when they were hitting them early, it was like, this, this, thing, is, this thing is over. Like, I know folks were hoping for a Gonzaga comeback, but I, I figured after the, you know, when you were halfway through the first half, I just felt like that game was done. Yeah, we were listening um, on the radio driving between Beaumont and uh, where we're staying in the Woodlands, and uh, yeah, it, they were just they were just getting taken to school, and and the the, the guys who did the game on uh, on Westwood One, I, I thought they did a very good job of describing just how much Baylor was dismantling Gonzaga uh, in the first half. Yeah, Baylor, you know, and, and they, they had a they had a couple of, of Louisiana kids on the team. Uh the the final four most outstanding player, um, you know, Jarrett Butler for starters. I mean, he was he was tremendous last night. He's on the all tournament team and he's just a really good kid. Uh, you know, played at reserve and then you got Vital, um, who was who was great as well. Mark Vital, you know, who's from Lake Charles, who was a senior. Uh, to see, you know, Louisiana get a little shine as well on the big stage. I don't know, man. I, I've, I've never been a Baylor fan per se or anything like that, but I, I can't. I, I I got nothing bad to say about Coach Drew's team this year. I mean, they they went out there, they earned it. I mean, this is a team that you saw in person, Jay, at the beginning of the season. Did you feel like when you saw them, they were, you know, a favorite to win it all this year? Actually, I didn't see them, Scott. If you remember, I was doing football that day, and Ian did that game remotely because they put that game oh, together Oh, yeah, that's so right. Late. He was in the studio calling it off of a monitor. That's right. That's, that's right. right. I forgot that's about right. that. Yeah. Well, uh, the Cajuns got to see him firsthand, and uh, it was, I mean, you, you, it, they, this team just felt like all year. I think the two best teams played last night, and that's why what Baylor did was so impressive because – it wasn't like they were playing a, a Cinderella team or a team that just had a good run. I remember when your UConn Huskies just clobbered Georgia Tech in the championship. Before, UConn had a number of pros on that team, I and mean, they were great. Nothing against Georgia Tech, but they had made this – they had made a fairly improbable run. No one thought they were going to get all the way to the championship game that year, so they, they felt outmatched going into it. Gonzaga was the favorite last night. And if you had not told anybody anything that had watched college basketball all year and you just showed them that game, they would have thought that these two teams, I mean, weren't even in the same class. No, no, you're right. It was, um, it was a total dismantling. You know, Baylor deserves all the credit. I, you know, I think Mark Few and his team had a marvelous run. I think they're a basketball team. I honestly thought they would win last night. Uh, and that lasted about five minutes after tip-off. Um, but, uh, no, they, they had a great season. They just got schooled by a team that was better than they were. And I think if this team, if you play a best-of-seven, Baylor is still going to win the series. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. And uh, ESPN1420.com, Jay Walker on the road. With Rage Cajun softball, and um, we got Terrible Tune Tuesday coming up, among other things. I want to talk a little more about college hoops. I was talking to, to Danny Broussard last hour, Jay, and 
you and I have had this discussion a little bit before, but I thought about it last night when, when it was clear that Gonzaga was going to lose. So Suggs hits that, that, that buzzer-beating shot on Saturday evening that had everyone talking, was that the greatest college basketball game ever? And it was, it was a great moment for the sport. It was a great shot. It was a great game. All that stuff is true. But if Gonzaga, say, if Gonzaga wins last night and Suggs goes on to be a, 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 you know, a good pro, doesn't have to be great, it's a shot that we see all the time. And now, because Gonzaga didn't win at all, I think it just kind of becomes this March Madness moment, but not an iconic moment. Um, you know, as much as we hate seeing that Leitner shot all the time, you know, two things. One, it was an Elite Eight game, but Duke went on to win it all, right? And Leitner was, you know, a, just an incredible college player. And he, he played in the NBA for a while, but he's one of the greatest college players ever. Um, the fact that it was Duke held. But, like, it's an iconic shot. You can go to other great shots that happen in March Madness, and they're not iconic. I mean, speaking of Coach Drew, his brother Bryce Drew, the Valparaiso, the shot, as they call it. I mean, that was in what, the round of 16 or a first-round game? I mean, Tyrus Edney, you know, court, you know, baseline to baseline. There are shots that are March Madness moments, and then there are shots that are iconic. And time kind of, as time goes on, it gets determined of what becomes iconic and what doesn't. But I think one thing that died last night, in addition to Gonzaga's undefeated season, was that that great shot by Suggs. It's a shot we'll remember. We'll see highlights of, but we're not going to see it all the time, you know, as sports fans for the rest of our life either, like we see with that Leitner shot. Well, and, and, you know, I'll take it a step farther. You know, the greatest shot for me, in college basketball is the three-pointer that Villanova hits at the buzzer to win the national championship. Yep. You don't see that. Well, it's funny you brought that up, Jake, because I, I, I was talking to Danny about this a little while ago, and I, we, we were both trying to figure it out. We were thinking out loud. Um, why, why is Chris Jenkins' shot not iconic? Because it was to win the whole thing, and and they beat UNC, and, and what I came to was – I think the reason we don't see it a lot, because I, 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 I like asked someone this morning on another station, but somebody was like, hey, what do you think about the game? And we started talking, right, before I went on the air at 7. I was like, hey, do you remember that shot by Villanova five years ago? They're like, uh, not really. Uh, no. They didn't even remember the shot, Jay. Now, this was a casual fan, right? You say, hey, you know that Leitner shot? They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, and the guy's crying on the sideline and all that stuff. So I think if it's like Chris Jenkins, God bless him, he, he went on, I think he played overseas for like a year or two. He's not playing basketball anymore. If Chris Jenkins was an NBA all-star, I think we see that shot a lot. Because part of these, these, these great shots being seen a lot is the March Madness and the NCAA promoting itself. You would think they would use that Jenkins shot a lot more, but Michael Jordan, you know, a great college player and the greatest professional player, I mean, his his go-ahead shot for UNC back in the 80s in the Superdome, that wasn't a buzzer beater. You know, that was, you know, the other team had a shot to go down the floor and James Worthy stole the ball. You know, they threw it away. But because it was Jordan, you still see the highlights of it. But that's March Madness sort of promoting and branding itself. And I feel like Nova and Chris Jenkins, they don't get the shine they should. I mean, Jay, 
that's one of the greatest shots in the history of the sport. It was to win the whole thing. And casual fans that I talked to this morning, it was only five years ago, they don't even remember that it happened. I, um, I'm going to go another step with this. Let's suppose that Duke and Kentucky are playing that Elite Eight game. Let's suppose instead of Christian Leitner hitting the shot, that it's a guy from Kentucky, and you can pick anyone you want to off that team, that it was a guy from Kentucky hitting the shot. Do you think we're still seeing that shot? No, we're not, because it's Christian Leitner and it was Duke. And, and Yeah, and Jay, I, let, let me ask you real quick. I mean, who threw the inbounds pass? People remember that. Yeah. Because it was Grand Hill. Yes, yes. And so, you know, the, the shot is the shot. But who takes the shot and who do they play for has a lot to do with that. Because I'm telling you, if Kentucky takes the shot and wins that game, we are not still seeing it over and over and over again. No question about it. ESPN1420.com. Um, I'm trying to think of, of Carolina's roster five years ago off the, off the top of my head. And um, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know that I can. I'm trying to think if they had a guy that's a really good pro right now in – uh, I don't. I don't remember. I don't really remember that team. I don't. I don't think maybe Justin Jackson, but like he's not. He's not really doing much. I don't think they. They didn't have a guy. I'm trying to think if it wasn't Villanova and if it was North Carolina because of the branding. If we would see that shot a lot, but as you said, who hits the shot? Who they play for? And look, if it's an underdog, like if it's a Cinderella, if it's a big moment, I think that that plays into it as well. But for what it's worth. Suggs' shot is going to be remembered, I think, the same way, you know, maybe Valpo's shot or Edney's shot is. I mean, it, it, it's a huge moment, but it won't it won't be iconic. And um, and maybe maybe you know, just in the one and done era, maybe we'll never see a, an iconic shot again. Because if you had told us five years ago, yeah, folks are going to forget about this soon. I think we would have said they were crazy. And yet here we are and. You know, a lot of folks, you know, don't remember that shot by Villanova. So I don't know that we'll ever see an iconic shot in college basketball again. Huge shots, big moments, memorable shots. Yes, iconic. I think I think that ship has sailed. I don't think it's going to happen. Well, I, I think you're right. And, and let's remember the guy who hit it's a freshman. Okay, so he has time to cement himself as a great college player, which may help that shot get shown a little bit more down the road. But uh, but you're right. You know he's not Michael Jordan. He's not Christian Leitner. Uh, he's not even Keith Smart. So we'll see. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. Do you think Do you think in the next twenty years we'll see a team in college basketball have the perfect season? Well, you know we we've seen a couple get to the national semifinals. You know fairly recently. You know Kentucky. Um, you know in, in was it 2015 that you know gosh I still think that's as good a basketball team as I've seen and I'm I'm still scratching my head that they didn't win it all that year um, you know obviously it's just very hard to do otherwise somebody would have done it in the last 45 years ESPN 1420.com uh, Jay Walker our guest Jay you are on the road with college softball, I spoke to, uh, to to Coach Glasgow yesterday morning and asked him about the Alyssa Dalton injury. And at that point, um, they felt like, you know, she, she might be back soon, that it was kind of a day-to-day thing. But um, I guess they got word yesterday, and Steve reported this over at ESPN1420.com, 
uh, her injury is going to uh, – a hand injury is going to require surgery. She's going to be out an indefinite period of time, so we don't have a timetable right now. You're looking at – you're talking about one of the best players in college softball. You look at her. They lost Raina O'Neal early in the season to a broken arm. I know she's on track to return at some point later this year. Taylor Roman with a torn ACL early in the season. She's not coming back this year. I mean, I know that pitching can carry you – um, you know, the distance, but these injuries and, and some of the blows that this softball team has been dealt with this year, I get their 25 and six and rank 16th, but this latest one, man, this is a, this is a big one, Jay. They have, they, they have been dealt some, uh, some tough hands in the game of poker this year. And, uh, you know, with coach Glasgow, keeping this thing together, you, you called, you know, two dominant wins yesterday, but overall, before I ask you about tonight's game, Alyssa Dalton being sidelined for an indefinite period of time, what do you think that does to this team? Well, you know, obviously it hurts them. It hurts their depth. Uh, it, it hurts from a leadership standpoint. But that's not even the latest injury, Scott. You know, yesterday in the doubleheader, uh, Frankie Izzard, who's been playing a lot of left field, a splitting time with Kendall Talley. Um, and she was, you know, she was kind of sending a message to Jerry Glasgow that maybe she needed to be in the lineup every day because she was hitting about 460. You know, she rounds third base on a Sierra Bryan triple yeah. yesterday, goes down and has what is being termed a significant lower leg injury. And so we're probably not going to see her anymore this year. That's um, tough, man. So that's, you know, now that's four significant injuries to this softball team. You're right. I think they get O'Neill back at some point in time, but they're not going to get Roman back. They're not going to get Izzard back, and it's questionable whether they're going to get Dalton back. And that means that the thing that has carried them through this 12-game hitting streak, and that is dominant pitching, is going to have to continue, not only if they're going to make some noise in a regional, but even if they're going to win the Sun Belt Conference championship, because they have two very difficult series coming up at Troy this weekend and then Texas State the following weekend. Those are both some pretty doggone good softball teams. Um, and, you know, Summer and Kendra are going to have to continue to be dominant in the circle as they have been lately uh, for, the, for the Cajuns to, uh, to get it done because, you know, they've still got some really good offensive players. But you're down four now. And, you know, we... we marveled at the depth that Jerry Glasgow had before the season started. Well, it's a good thing he's got it because now they're not very deep at all. You know, they're going to go about 10, 11 deep now, and that's it. So it, um, it's a big blow to them, but, and it's just going to put more, I think, on, on Lamb and Ellison's shoulders. Yeah, no question. Jay Walker, our guest. You, I mean, Frankie Izzard, uh, I'm wishing her a full recovery. I mean, I just when I see her, I just think speed. I mean, I think she was a track star in high school, won a bunch of state championships in the in the hundred meter dash. But she is, um, yeah, her loss, what she was bringing to the lineup, it, it's kind of at this point you're worried. You you kind of ask the question, what's next? But all they can do is play what's in front of them. They got Sam Houston State tonight. That one will be on Talk Radio nine sixty. They have Houston tomorrow. That'll be here on ESPN fourteen twenty. And then you mentioned it, a trip to Troy who is undefeated in Sunbelt Conference play. So um, if the pitching can continue and, and play like it has recently, I think it can carry them to a conference title. But, you know, the, the, the Sunbelts, there's been years, and the rest of the conference is just not good in softball. That's not the case this year. 
No, they've got, I think, three three solid teams in this league, and the Cajuns are going to play the other two the, the next two weekends. All right. Uh, on the baseball side of things for um, for the Cajuns, Jay, uh, you, you were there at ULM. They get the sweep, and Coach Degg said, you know, one thing that had been missing from our resume was that comeback win. He's like, look, we had come back in a number of games. We just couldn't complete the comeback. They do that on Saturday. But right now, whether it be David Christie, whether it be in terms of altering the lineup based on if they're facing a lefty or righty, it feels like the comfort level right now, um, Connor Kimple in the leadoff spot, it feels like some more things in terms of what they plan to do game to game are starting to cement themselves. And, and, you know, and the results are proof of that. I mean, they're, they're winning baseball right now. They are. I would not. Um, I would not for a second begin to suggest that they're locking in on a lineup because you know Matt Deggs has used lineups on consecutive days or consecutive games exactly one time this year. So you know I don't know that uh, that we're going to say okay Kimple's going to be in the leadoff spot the rest of the year. I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. But he contributed in the leadoff spot. He got on base. Uh, he scored runs. And, uh, you know, Robertson, I thought, did a good job in the three-hole. They, um, you know, in order to come back from a seven-run deficit, the other team's got to help you a little bit. But sometimes we've seen the Cajuns where the other team tried to help them and they wouldn't let them. Uh, This time, the other team tried to help them and they said, okay, look at what we're going to do with this opportunity. That was very good to see. Here's a a stat for you. Um, There are three pitchers in college baseball that have pitched 40 innings or more and have an ERA under one. Two of them pitch for Vanderbilt. The other one is Spencer Arrighetti. Arrighetti, man, whenever I I, I told Matt Deggs this yesterday, even when he's off, he's still really good. You know, like when he doesn't have his best stuff, he's still by far the best option. And uh, when he does have his best stuff, I mean, you—I mean, all you all you need probably is a run, and you can win. He has uh, he has a tremendous mental makeup. You know, he's he goes out, and if he doesn't have his good stuff, he finds a way because he's such a competitor, and and his stuff is that good. You know, if he doesn't have command of the slider, he's going to throw something else till he gets command of the slider, and uh, he just, but he competes, man. Uh, he's he gets himself into trouble gets himself out of trouble is not afraid to celebrate after he does it um what's the old saying it ain't bragging if you can back it up and i I, he's just uh, i just love his mental makeup as well as the stuff that he's got um he's proving himself to be uh, the most dominant pitcher in the sun belt and Honestly, one of the more dominant pitchers in college baseball. Yeah, he's he really is. Uh, Cajun seventeen and eleven. Cajun softball twenty-seven and six. Jay, before we get to TTT, uh, LSU baseball seventeen and eleven, but one and eight in conference play. And you know, we both agreed they weren't going to win the Vanderbilt series. That Vanderbilt was the best team. Thought they might get a game in it. Well, Sunday was their best chance, but they lose five to four. And, and I, I, I know I've been saying I think LSU, once they get past Vandy, have enough talent to turn this around. But then you lose Jaden Hill yesterday and that news that uh, a guy that came into the season projected to be a top five or top ten pick, he's now out with a, with a, a torn UCL. Um, you see the mental toll injuries can take on a team as well. I, I, is, is LSU in trouble of 
You know, I mean, I, we were talking, you know, I guess a few weeks ago of, yeah, they're probably not going to host a regional this year. Are, are they in trouble of, of not making a regional, or do you think they're still going to ride, you know, ride this, uh, this, this recent wave of just tough play and bad breaks and be able to get into the tournament? Well, uh, they're, they're one in eight in the SEC. They just got swept by Vanderbilt, and their RPI went up 15 points, so go figure. Um, <laughs> I, no, I think, I, I think they are in trouble. Uh, and, and the reason I say that is I think there were a lot of questions about this team offensively before the season started. I don't think any of those questions have been answered, okay? Now, the thing that they thought was going to carry them, that being their pitching staff, you know, you've got this injury, you've got, you know, the other starters have, have been okay. Um, the bullpen, which was supposed to be dominant, has been okay. And if you can't hit, then okay is not going to cut it with your pitching staff. Um, and, and this team has one hole after another in its lineup, I think. And, but we knew that going in. We thought the pitching could carry them. And now the pitching is showing that it can't. So, yeah, I think they are in trouble. Now, they have played Mississippi State, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt. Okay, those are teams that are in the top six in college baseball. So they've got, you know, the schedule isn't going to be this rugged the rest of the season, but you still have Ole Miss, you still have South Carolina, you still have some good ball clubs that the Tigers still have to face. I think they're going to have enough to get into a regional, but it's probably going to be as a three seed. And, and who knows um, where they're going to get sent. Jay Walker, our guest on a Tuesday. I'm Scott Prather. It's ESPN 1420.com. Up next, it's terrible. Tune. Tuesday on ESPN 1420. ESPN 1420.com and the ESPN 1420 app. Liquor and horse. Cigarettes and dope and mustard and bologna. Liquor and horse. I was dying. He says Saints, Pelicans, Cajuns, and Tigers as much as Danny Glover says. It's Scott Prather on The Great Scott Show on ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com. Reeks. Wait, 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 wait. Welcome back into The Great Scott Show. If you're listening on the app or the stream, that is brought to you by Champagne's Market and the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. Jay Walker is over in Texas joining me through the power of technology this morning. And uh, it is time for Terrible Tuesday. All right, Jay, um, you went first last week, so I'll lead things off this week. And, you know, as a guy that used to be a DJ, I'm sure you saw many times, and I've said this before on this show, that the, 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 the artists that are just like the more popular or the more 
successful can be let's let's define successful as just on the charts like there's some artists that no matter what they have it's going to chart no matter how bad it is just because of who they are right sure i mean 2020 was a tough year for many reasons um everybody dealt with the pandemic a lot of changes it was it was difficult and one of the worst things to come out of 2020 was this song that Justin Bieber may as well have just farted. I mean, it was awful. And it debuted because he's Justin Bieber at number two on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. Absolutely horrendous. Um, and it was his 17th top 10 hit in the U.S., debuted with all these downloads, and guys, it is terrible. Really bad. We're not going back far. We're going back to 2020 here on Terrible Tune Tuesday for a terrible song by Justin Bieber called Yummy. Ugh. Yeah, you got that yummy, yum, that yummy, yum, that yummy, yummy. Yeah, you got that yummy, yum, that yummy, yum, that yummy, yummy. Watch the sunset, kind of, yeah, yeah Rolling eyes back in my head, make my toes curl, yeah, yeah Yeah, you got that yummy, yum, that yummy
You're hurting me. Ugh. I'm sorry. Jay, look, I'm going to just make some noise, and I want you to just say yum, yum over and over again, okay? Booch, 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 booch. Yum, yum, yum. Oh, oh Justin was... Bieber did it. Let's. It's going to be a hit. That is complete garbage, yeah. and I'm sorry, but terrible Tune Tuesday, you know? Well, it was an excellent choice. An excellent choice for Terrible Tune Tuesday. As a matter of fact, you know, I still listen to contemporary music, but didn't listen a lot in the last year or so. And so I did hear that song once or twice, never paid attention to who did it. I just knew it was bad. Uh, and after the first time I heard it, when it came out a second time, I just punched a button somewhere. Smart but move. No, that's, that's an excellent choice. Smart excellent move. choice. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back a little farther than that. You know, there are genres of music that, you know, some people love, some people hate. You know, in the 70s and early 80s, disco was very popular. Uh, disco was referred to, in my opinion, as the short form of the proper uh, name, which was Disco Sucks. Um, but there was another genre of music that I just thought was terrible, and that was that Euro techno pop Yuck. You know, as a matter of fact, we played one maybe a few weeks ago uh, with Tracy Lords. Um, we're going to go back to 2000 today with a group that was out of Germany, but none of them were German. Huh. There were f two, two men and two women. One was from Australia, one from New Zealand, one from the United States, and the other one from Italy. And they all met in Germany when they were all in the cast of the German version of Cats. And they decided that they were gonna form a group. This was their only hit in the United States. It hit the top 30. It was a top 10 song virtually in every country on the mainland part of Europe. And hit number one in about six countries, including the country that you have to have a number one hit in in order for it to be considered a hit. And that of course is Poland. Um, I, I don't know what to say. ATC is the name of the group. It supposedly stands for a touch of class. What it stood for for me was a touch of crap because this song is. Um, when you can't figure out enough words so you have to put a lot of lot, that's never a good sign. The song is called Around the World. The group is ATC from 2000 on Terrible Tune Tuesday. Kisses of the sun were sweet, I didn't blink, I let it in my eyes Like an exotic drink, the radio playing songs That I have never heard, I don't know what to say Oh, not another word, just la-la-la-la
La da 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 da. Yummy, yummy, yummy. Terrible tune Tuesday. Amen. On that note, have mercy. We'll take a quick time out. We'll come back. This day in sports history actually involves a former Saints quarterback. Yep, you'll find out next. I'm Scott. That's Jay Walker. We're back after this on ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety. Zion Williamson of the New Orleans Pelicans, and you're listening. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather, Jay Walker. You'll catch him tonight over on Talk Radio 960, 615 pregame as Rage Occasion Softball takes on Sam Houston State. Bobby Nava will uh, will be on the call with him. And then tomorrow, they will go to Houston for a single game tomorrow evening, 6 o'clock, 545 pregame right here on ESPN 1420. And then they travel to Troy for a huge series against the Troy Trojans in conference play. So a lot of softball for you. Baseball tonight as well. We'll have it on our airways. They're at home against Nichols State. 530 pregame, 6 o'clock first pitch. Cody Juno will have the call tonight along with Brad Top hand. Jay Walker over in Texas. What did you get for breakfast this morning? We we heard someone ordering biscuits in the background. Yeah, I haven't uh, I haven't eaten yet. I'm um, you know I figured that nobody wanted to hear me chew while I was on the radio, so uh, I'll eat when uh, when we finish up. But uh, yeah, they've got a you know a regular hotel breakfast here: uh, scrambled eggs, bacon, sausage, biscuits, uh, muffins, and that sort of stuff here at the Hilton Garden Inn. So. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll uh, I'll grab something to eat as soon as we're done. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, man. Uh, in the meantime, if if someone's serving you, just make sure you call them by their name. That's your hint. Make sure you call them by their real name. This day in sports history, it involves a former Saints quarterback. Does that hint give anything away? A Saints quarterback that was not called by his real name. Um, no. It's Jim. Good to have you on the show. Good to be here, Jim. Check that. Chris Everett, good to have you on the show. You know what? You know, you've been calling me that for about the last five years. About two years, actually, Chris. Well, somewhere along the way, Jim, you ceased being Jim and you became Chris. Well, let me tell you a little secret. But... You know, we're sitting here right now, and if you guys want to take a station break, you can. But if you call me Chris Everett to my face one more time. I already did it twice. You better, you call one more time, we better take, take a station break. Well, it's a five-minute segment, our five-segment show. we got a long way to go. Well, we do. we got a long way to go. We do. I'll get a couple segments out well, of you. It's good to be here with you, though. Well, it's good you to know, see you, too. Because we've been talking like this behind my back for a long but time. But now I said it right here. Right. Exactly. Well, we got no problem well, I with think that. It, I think that you, you probably won't say it again. I bet I do. Okay. Oh, man. Like, in in terms of moments between broadcaster and athlete, a lot of times an athlete will say, boy, I'd love to see someone say it to my face. 
in this case, Jim meant it, and uh, the other Jim decided to push the boundaries, and uh, Jim Effort said, not anymore. I mean, that that's uh, this day in sports history, April 6, 1994. Don't call him, Chris. Come on. Yeah, I, rem- uh, I, do, I do remember that. And, uh, God, that was back in the day when I wished somebody would just punch Jim Rome in the face. I don't feel quite as strongly now as I did then, but... Yeah. The thing is, and I talked to Jim a little over a year ago. It was kind of early on in the pandemic, and I was just interviewing former players. I loved it. I I learned a lot. And um, but of course, Jim's Jim gets there are certain moments where you you know if you're involved in it, you just get asked about it all the time. And Jim Everett had a good career, um, you know, with the Rams. And and while the Saints didn't win games, he put up really good numbers and. He gets asked about that moment more than any other, but I think at some point he's just kind of like, it's fine, whatever, I'll, I'll, I'll answer the questions. Whereas Jim Rome, like, he doesn't like when anyone brings it up ever. Like, there was a uh, – Jim Everett told me there was a company that wanted to use a clip in a commercial that they were going to run, and both of the guys would have gotten, you know, some royalties. They would have gotten paid. And Jim Everett's like, sure, whatever, I don't care. And Jim Rome, like, did whatever he could to make sure that it could not be run uh, so one guy doesn't mind. He kind of embraces it, and the other guy obviously regrets it, and it's no surprise which one doesn't mind and which one regrets it. Yeah, I, I, I'll go with you on that. And, 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 and honestly, that was back in the days, like I said, when somebody needed to punch the dude in the face. And I think he regrets uh, what he did, and he's trying to disavow. And, you know, I think that, that he's a lot less obnoxious than, than he was, what, 25 or so years ago. Um, and I would, I would think he wants to distance him, himself from it, and he should. Jim Everett, uh, he, um, he's on disability now, man. And I, I think about the quarterbacks of yesteryears, Jay, and the beating that they took. Like, you know, the rules are in place now to, you know, to protect more players, and especially the quarterbacks, whereas, I mean, Jim Everett, like, he played at a time where – he, you get rid of the ball, and a guy still has two steps to take, and then they can hit you, and there's no flag. It's like I, I, th- those guys got beat up so badly, and they had full padded practices all the time. I mean, I know I'm not trying to say, oh, it was better back then. I'm not saying that at all. I mean, as Jim Everett's body, he would say, no, it's not better back then. But it, 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 it wasn't that long ago that, you know, folks were saying, I'll oh, just put flags on all of them. It's not football anymore. I mean, those quarterbacks used to get the hell beat out of them, Jay. You know, I have been hearing for years about, um, I don't know, the, the, the lack of empathy, I guess, on the part of fans and the public about players who, um, who after they've retired, have, you know, th- that their body is just given up. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I remember taking so many phone. Well, they knew what they were into for when they signed the contract. And, and I, you know, and, and, and it's just, it's, it's always bothered me that people have reacted the way they do. And those same people are the ones that go, oh, yeah, no, it's not even football anymore. It's just flag football. Let me tell you something. You go out there and get your ass beat a few times and you tell me, oh, gee, it's okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. I want I want you to go ahead, drop back, and let some 300-pound nose tackle pulverize you uh, after you throw a football and you're off balance and you're defenseless, 
and and then tell me, oh well, I, I knew I knew what it was when I signed the contract. Oh, they made a million dollars. Too bad. You, you talk to any former player that was in the league for a minute and ask them how they feel physically, and if 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 you don't feel bad, and this idea that oh well, Jay, they make millions of dollars, like. The guys back then, most of them did not make a million dollars. And even now, you know, 60-plus percent of the league is on a minimum salary contract. That's not a million dollars. You know, like, um, so this idea, I, I think people get it in their head, oh, superstars and all this money. The vast majority of the league is not making money that when they finish playing, they're not going to have to work anymore. That's the, that's like less, than, that's about 1% of the league that gets to do that. And you ask them about their bodies down the line and, how the NFL has not done a great job or been very adequate at taking care of their former players. I think we can get into that. You know, we could spend hours on that. But, no, man, you, I, I'm with you. you got to have some empathy for those guys. And hearing Jim, you know, and he wasn't, he wasn't even, like, complaining about it. I just – he only brought it up because I asked him. But those guys, man, they just um, – you talk about – I mean it. I mean, Warriors, the, the, the pounding that so many of those guys took on their body, and now they're paying for it later in life. I I feel for him, man. No, I, I I do also. And you know you know what it's going to take to wake some people up. It's going to take somebody like you know ten years from now a Brett Favre or a Drew Brees or or someone or Tom Brady, somebody that was iconic in the National Football League that has problems down the road. That's what it's going to take to wake some some fans up to understand that um, you know what. Maybe maybe I was wrong about my attitude. ESPN1420.com. Uh, yeah, I mean, and to wrap it up, this day in sports history, I mean, you call him, you, you're, you're insulting the man, calling him soft whenever, uh, yeah, he had a bad game in a championship game because he, was, he felt the pressure coming. You don't know what it's like being back there and getting the absolute hell beat out of you. But that is Jay Walker. Didn't really get to get into the Sam Darnold trade today. I'll just say that, um, if he does have success in Carolina, then uh, Adam Gase is, is now submitted himself as the worst coach of all time. I hope Teddy Bridgewater lands somewhere that he can play and, uh, and play well. Jay, I appreciate the time, man. We'll hear you tonight and tomorrow. Thanks for uh, coming on from Texas this morning. Enjoy the breakfast, and we'll talk to you again soon. I appreciate it, man. See you next week. All the best. That is Mr. Jay Walker, who joined us for the hours he does every Tuesday. Thanks to him. Thanks to Coach Danny Broussard. Thanks to Mariano Elisi and all of you for listening. The show will be up on the Great Scott Show podcast page in a little while via Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, all that good stuff. If you missed any of today's show, you can listen back on demand. Stay tuned. Steve Pelequin is next with Beyond the Game. It's ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com and the ESPN 1420 app.